0: Uh, So this episode is actually a Patreon-only bonus episode that I thought I'd share with you because, well, my birthday was last week, and so recording and editing the podcast may have gotten a little away from me. So because of my horrible procrastination, you get to enjoy a Patreon-only bonus episode. We'll be back on track next time, so don't worry about that. So for now, enjoy, and I'll talk to you later. Hello, listeners, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Monsters Advocate. If you're listening to this, it means you're one of our patrons. And I'm forever in your debt. Seriously, though, thank you so much for donating. It means the world to me that you would want to know more about the monsters that lurk in our collective histories, and I just can't wait to share more with you. I hope you enjoy! This special bonus episode, let's learn a little bit more about the Chenu, the man-eating giants of the northern Wabanaki legends. So, you've probably heard of Wendigos, right? This may be presumptuous of me, but with media like Supernatural, Grimm, Before Dawn, and Warcraft playing hosts to them, not to mention their appearance in Marvel comics like The Incredible Hulk, you probably at least have an inkling of what Wendigos are all about. Namely, that they eat people, and that they are often portrayed in a wintry setting. Aside from this, the Wendigo's appearance and all its powers actually vary greatly depending on the media you've been exposed to. Aside from one core detail. Generally, antlers or not, Wendigos are always humanoid. And that's the thing, the sticking point of this monster, that draws us back to it time and time again. The Algonquin people of the Great Lakes region and the northern forests of the Atlantic coast saw winter at its most brutal, and saw what little food and unending cold could do to a person, what a person out of time and out of options could become. The Wabanaki people of the northern New England area also saw harsh winters, and so it should come as no surprise that they too have a monster born of cannibalism and cold. The Chenu is also called the Jinu, Sinu, or Kiwakwa, which means going about in the woods just to name a few, and this last name is both a good descriptor and a warning, because the Chenu can always be found in the woods during winter. The Chenu is described as gigantic, towering over the average person, and when they are angered, they actually grow proportionately larger. Despite their enormous stature, the Chenu are emaciated beings, who have often eaten their own lips in hunger, but this only better showcases their prominent fangs. Like the Wendigo, the most terrifying aspect of the Chenu is that it was once a person who either became possessed by an evil spirit, was exposed to dark magic, or committed a terrible crime, such as cannibalism or withholding food from a starving person. The Chenu draw power from the cold and a lump of ice that was once their human heart in their chests. Methods of defeating a Chenu often revolve around getting the Chenu to vomit up this lump of ice. Or eat salt to melt the lump of ice. As sometimes, once they're rid of the ice, a chenu can actually go back to human form. More often than not, though, stories around defeating a chenu involve the fight of the hero's life. And unless you chop a chenu into small pieces and then burn the pieces, chenus can regenerate back to full strength after being slain. Also, just hearing the scream of a chenu is usually enough to kill someone. So, With all that being said, let me share with you today the story of a hero who defeated a Chenu in a very untraditional manner. The following is a retelling from Charles G. Leland's 1884 book, The Algonquin Legends of New England. Long ago, a man and his wife went one autumn, far away, to hunt in the northwest. They went deep into the forest, and, finding the perfect spot to pass the winter, they built a wigwam the man brought home the game the woman dressed and dried the meat and they spent their time there together in content one afternoon while her husband was out hunting the woman was gathering wood for the fire when she heard a rustling in the bushes as though some great beast were brushing through them she froze and looking up saw something worse than her worst nightmare A terrible face glared down at her, a something made of devil, man, and beast in their most dreadful forms. The thing was like a haggard old man, but with wolfish yellow eyes. He was stark naked, and his shoulders and lips were gnawed away, great hunks torn from the flesh in such a way that there was no doubt the wounds were self-inflicted. Mad with hunger, He had eaten his own flesh. The thing carried a bundle on his back. The woman had heard of the Chenu, a man who has become less than a man, and saw at once this was one of them. The woman was clever, though, and seeing there would be no running or fighting this creature alone, she ran to meet the creature, and exclaimed, My dear father! And her words were full of surprise and joy and she went on to tell him how glad her heart was, and asked him where he had been so long. It was the Chenu's turn to freeze, and with all the stage fright of a cannibal suddenly asked to perform improv, he was led in mute wonder into the wigwam. This woman was no fool, but she was also as kind as she was witty. When she led the creature into her home, she said she was sorry to see him so woebegone, She brought him a suit of her husband's clothes, and she told him to dress himself and be clean. The creature, at least knowing the first rule of improv, did exactly as she bade. He sat by the side of the wigwam, and looked surly and sad, but kept quiet. It was all a new thing to him. After a time, the woman arose and announced she was going to gather sticks for the fire. To her horror, the chenu rose and followed her. It seemed the game was up. Now, she thought, my death is near. The Chenu loomed over her. He said, give me the axe. She trembled slightly, but if there was any hope her trick was still working, she had to commit. She gave the creature the axe. And he began to cut down the trees. All of them giant pines fell left and right like saplings their trunks split as if by lightning the woman saw the destruction and cried out my father there is enough and he laid down the axe and walked into the wigwam and sat down silent as snow the woman gathered up as much of the wood as she could and walked into her home following the monster after a time she heard her husband coming she ran out to meet him and told him everything, as quickly and quietly as possible. She asked him to do as she was doing. And, also familiar with the first rule of improv, he agreed. He went into their home and greeted the towering creature, my father-in-law, and asked where he had been so long. The Chenu stared with all the amazement and fear of someone who is greeted familiarly at a party by someone who they have no idea how they know. But the men continued on telling the Chenu everything that had happened with him and his wife the past few years, and the beast listened with rapt attention. The couple had dinner. They offered the Chenu food, but he hardly touched it. Instead, the great beast rolled over and laid down to sleep. The man and his wife, finding themselves sharing their home with a dangerous predator, elected to stay up the rest of the night. Eventually, with the well-fed fire, the wigwam became too warm for the creature, and the chenu asked that a screen be put between himself and the fire. He was from the ice, and heat made him uncomfortable. For three days, the beast stayed in the wigwam. For three days, he was sullen and grim, and he hardly ate. Then, he seemed to change. He spoke to the woman, and he asked her for tallow rendered animal fat. And when she gave him some, he filled a large kettle and put it on the fire. When it was scalding hot, before anyone could stop him, and to the horror of the woman, he drained the kettle in one gigantic mouthful. The chenu grew pale. He vomited the contents of his stomach, a horrid array of human remains. He vomited until there was nothing left. And then, he lay down and slept. The wife and the husband looked on at the scene and wondered what it meant. When the chenu finally awoke, he asked for food and ate with the couple. And from that time on, the chenu was changed. He was kind and good, and they feared him no more. They passed the winter in relative peace, until finally spring began to arrive. The chenu grew uneasy. He had heard a voice on the wind and there was no denying it. He sat the husband and wife down, and told them the news. In three days, an enemy, another Chenu, was coming from the north to kill him. He was in her territory, and she was coming to defend it. She was hungrier, and she was stronger. He knew not how the battle would end, but the man and his wife were in danger. The call of the Chenu meant death to mortals. They must hide themselves in a cave until it was over. Then, the chenu asked the woman to bring him the bundle which he had brought with him when he first met them. It had hung untouched on a branch of a tree since he had been with them. Only she could bring it to him. He had something in it that might help. But if there were still human remains, it might be too much. So the wife went out to the tree and opened the bundle. And, yep... There they were, a pair of human legs and feet. She quickly threw them away. There was something else in the bundle too, though, a smaller bundle, and she brought it back to her father. The Chenu opened the bundle and took from it a pair of horns, horns of the Kalm, a horned serpent of the river. The horns were different from each other. One of them had two prongs, and the other was straight and smooth, but they both shone like gold, and there was no question they were a set. Solemnly, the chenu gave the straight horn to the husband. Only magical weapons could kill a chenu, and the woman shivered, thinking of the face she had seen the day they first met. Together, the humans and the chenu waited. The third day came. The chenu listened. He heard the long and awful cry of the enemy far off. Most people are killed instantly by the howl of a chenu. But legend says that if a person survives hearing the call, from then on they are immune to it. The Chenu did not want to take this chance, though, and so he hurried his daughter and son-in-law into the cave and told them to block their ears. He looked one last time at his family. He said, After her howl, should you hear me call for help, then and only then come find us with the horn. You will be immune to her call. And you may be in time to save my life. Farewell. The humans did as the Chenu said. They covered their ears. They hid. All at once the cry of the foe came, sweeping over the land like thunder. It was overwhelming and all-encompassing, and for all the care they had taken, it nearly killed them. Through the horrible, piercing ringing, they heard the answering cry of their father. The battle began. The monsters rose to the size of mountains. Ancient pines were torn up. The ground trembled like earthquakes and rocks crashed upon rocks. The destruction was terrible. Then, above the noise, the couple heard the Chenu. My son-in-law, come and help me. There was no hesitation. The man ran into the fight. And, stopped in his tracks. The chenus were immense, taller than clouds, or they would have been, but now they were locked in combat, struggling fiercely on the ground. The female was winning. She held her foe down, slashing at him with a river serpent's horn of her own. He struggled, just barely moving his head away each time she stabbed, and she mocked his cries. You have no son-in-law to help you? I'll take your cursed cursed life, life. and when When this this is is over, over, I will will eat eat your liver. liver. The man was so small compared to the giants that at first the stranger did not notice him. Now, said the Chenu, thrust the horn into her ear. Yes, and. The man struck hard. The horn sprouted quick as a flash of lightning. Darting through the beast's head, it came out of the other ear, growing in size. It touched the ground on the other side and struck downward, rooting itself in the earth. The enemy was held hard and fast. Quickly, the two began to dispatch her. Such a being, to be killed at all, must be divided into small pieces and consumed completely by fire. Should even a fragment remain unburnt, the Chenu would regenerate, as terrible as before. The battle won. Both Chenus became their usual size. And, as revenge for the threat of eating his liver, in a surprisingly uncool move by our Chenu, he roast and ate the other Chenu's liver while she watched. The snows of winter melted, and with the changing of seasons, the man and woman thought of their tribe. The Chenu, his heart melted like the snow, was becoming a man like other men. The three decided to return to the village of the husband and wife. Before going, they built a canoe for the old man. The journey would take several days, and he had aged so quickly that they made it of moose skin for a softer ride and piled it with venison and skins. The chenu took his place in it. They took the lead. He followed. As they went south, a great change came over the old man. He was a being of the north. Ice and snow had no effect on him, but he could not last long in the soft airs of summer. He grew weaker and weaker. When they had reached their village, he had to be carried like a little child. His fierce and formidable face was now that of an old, gentle man. His wounds had healed, and his teeth no longer stuck through ragged lips. The people of the village gathered round him in wonder. And, for the first and last time, a peace settled over the creature. And the Chenu breathed his last. I hope you enjoyed my retelling of the woman in the Chenu. I really liked this legend because it's so different from a lot of other monster legends. The heroine, faced with impossible odds, chooses to show kindness, and that kindness is so unexpected that it completely overpowers even a cannibalistic ice giant. And, in a rare move for mythology, the husband listens to his wife, and by her example he shows kindness too. And the Chenu is so overwhelmed that he actually chooses to become human again and save himself. Sometimes, the littlest gestures mean the most. Thank you for listening, and remember anyone can be a monster.